Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here. Once again, I'm convinced that God's Word is able to build you up to do all that God has called you to do and to be the person that He has called you to be. Today, we're going to begin our service by receiving the holy tithes and offerings. Let's take a look at one special verse. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's go to verse 9. The Apostle Paul said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. Now, I, I know that there are some preachers, uh, usually not within the group of what we, we, we would call spirit-filled or Pentecostal type preachers, but there are some preachers out in the body of Christ who would say that this is not talking about prosperity or financial riches. They would try to explain this scripture way, like they do with many of the other scriptures, by saying this is only referring to spiritual riches. But to do that, you really have to warp the entire context and bend it to say something that it's not saying. In other words, this is not talking about spiritual riches, because the entire context of the whole chapter, chapter 8, and also going in uh, and through the entire chapter 9, are all talking about the giving of a special offering to the Lord. So Paul is talking about money. Paul is talking about the giving of an offering. He's not talking about some type of uh, ethereal spiritual riches that some ministers mistakenly try to, uh, you know, say that this is what Paul is talking about. No, you can read the chapter, chapter eight, very slowly. You realize he's talking about money given in offering and also verse nine. Now, uh, excuse me, chapter nine is also about the giving of an offering. Well, Pastor Stephen, why, why then would a preacher try to shift it or change it to mean something that it doesn't mean? Because they are filtering the Scriptures through their belief system, which has been formed through religious tradition of men. And religious traditions of men have told us for centuries that the church is supposed to be poor, that we're supposed to be powerless, that we're supposed to trudge through life, and somehow when we get through life and we finally die, then we can go to heaven and have the streets of gold and, you know, the mansions and pearly gates and all of that. But while we're here, we've been taught through, uh, we have been taught wrongly through religious tradition that we're supposed to be poor. Well, we have to understand that on the cross there was a beautiful, a timeless, a divine exchange that took place. And on that cross there was an exchange where Jesus took our unrighteousness and He gave us His righteousness. Jesus also took all of our diseases and sicknesses upon Himself and instead of all that yucky stuff, He took all the yucky stuff and He gave us promises of health and divine healing. In the same way that he uh, just did this beautiful exchange, he also took all of our lack and insufficiency and basically every curse that was that was in effect 
uh, that took place when somebody broke the Mosaic law. In other words, when you did not keep God's commandments, it released the curse into your life. And if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 14 onward, you see the devastating effects of the curse. And a lot of that uh, incorporates lack, financial lack, insufficiency, never having enough money, and also the agony and the worry of where's the money going to keep coming from. So Jesus did a divine exchange at Calvary that dealt with this issue of lack. And on the cross, Jesus bore our sin. Every curse of the Mosaic law, which includes poverty, all of that was placed on him. And we see, therefore, because of what Jesus did at Calvary, that it is our divine right to prosper. It is our redemptive right to prosper and to prosper. The Lord wants to take us into the place where we are rich. What does it mean to be rich? It means to have a full supply. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's ask ourselves this question. What are the covenant exercises that we must engage in to become financial heavyweights in the Lord's kingdom? In other words, perhaps you see a, a, a guy every now and then who has really developed himself in the area of his physique or muscles. And you realize that, you know, a person who's done that doesn't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden there's muscles everywhere and things like that. No, that person has done exercises within that sphere of, of, you know, fitness and so forth. And he has figured out what works. And if, really, if you go to ask a person like that, particularly if you want to go that direction, what are you doing that's producing that? Uh, they'll tell you that basically they are lifting the heavy weights. They are doing the compound basic movements, such as squats, uh, which are for the legs or bench press, which is for the chest and for the back bent over rows or deadlift. If you just do those basic things and you're consistent with it, you're going to get what you're going to get strong. Well, my friends, it's the same way in the Lord's kingdom concerning finances. And let me say this, it's not your receiving that makes you a financial champion, but rather it's your giving that propels you into realms of financial strength. I want to say that again. Let that just begin to percolate in your spirit. It is not your receiving that makes you a financial champion, but rather it is your giving that propels you into realms of financial strength. Praise God. Now in this area of kingdom finances, how do you get strong? Well, we work the principles just like somebody that wants to develop muscles. They're going to, they're going to work the muscles and they're going to follow proven principles that work the heavy, the heavy lifts like bench or squats or so forth over here in the Lord's kingdom. The principles that he lays out are obedience to tithes and offerings. And we're going to exercise them regularly. Praise God. You know what? You can take, you can take a young person, like a young guy who's maybe uh, 14 years old and uh, real skinny. And you can take that young person and put them on a strength training program and feed them a lot of steak, a lot of protein and some potatoes for carbs. In other words, solid, real food, not, not, 
you know, snacks and stuff like that. But I'm talking about real food. And I'm telling you, muscles will begin to develop when they're hitting the weights and they're eating muscles develop and you, you grow. But my friends is the same way. If you lift the compound, the heavy weights in the kingdom, if you consistent with the tithe and you realize the 10% belongs to the Lord and you just always bring the 10% into the storehouse of God. And also when you sow special seed, when you give offerings as the Holy Spirit leads you and you respond to a, a special opportunity to sow, that's the same thing as going to the gym and working out and eating good and getting stronger. And when you make this application in the Lord's kingdom, what is going to happen? You're going to become financially strong. What do we call a person who has financial strength? We say they're rich. Woo. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that, my friends, is your redemptive right. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. When, where, how? It happened when? About 2,000 years ago. Where? On the cross at Calvary. How? He was crucified. And that's what took place there. Mm -mm. He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He became poor for you. He became poor for me on the cross. Why? That you and myself, that we through his poverty might become rich. Woo! Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'd like that. I'd like to step into that. Good. Then operate the kingdom exercises. Now, we figured out exercise. I mean, you, you can watch a YouTube video and you can learn exercise and you can learn how to get in shape. If you want to get stronger, there's enough teachers out there that can teach you how to do that. That knowledge is now circulating all throughout the world. But in this area of financial strength and applying biblical principles, that's how you get strong. That's how you get strong. Not by how you receive, but rather how you give. Mm. Praise the Lord. It's not the giving, excuse me, it's not the receiving that makes a man or a woman. It's the giving that makes a man or a woman strong in the kingdom. Woo, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, let me share with you one more verse. This is so good. This is Deuteronomy, chapter, speaking of Deuteronomy, this is Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I want you to take a look with me at verse 10. And as you step into the fullness of your inheritance of the Lord making you rich, this, this is what it's going to do for you. Deuteronomy 28 verse 10. And please note, I'm reading from the Bible. I'm this is all from the Bible. This is not some kind of uh, you know, uh, theoretical stuff that we're pulling out of uh, some mysterious manuscript somewhere. This is from straight from the Bible. Look at verse 10. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The NET translation says they will respect you. Why? They see what God is doing in your life. Then all the nations of the world will see. How are they going to see something that's just spiritual? Yes, Pastor Stephen, we have been blessed with spiritual riches. That's not what the Bible says right there. That's not what this exchange was about. 
Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, we got, uh, you could call righteousness spiritual riches. That was imputed to us. Forgiveness of sins, that's spiritual riches. That's something that we also have uh, the blessing of. But that, in context, is not what Paul is talking about right here. Mm, mm, mm. That you through his poverty might become rich, might become rich, might become rich, and that those in the world can see it. They can't see spiritual stuff. Unbelievers can't see spiritual stuff. They can't look at you and say, mm, don't you look spiritual. I think I want to get saved. I, 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 think, I think I'm going to stand in awe because you're so spiritual. I, I can tell you just prayed for 12 hours, didn't you? No, they, 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 they don't get any of that. They don't understand that. Mm -mm. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you when you're blessed, when you're, when you're testifying and you're blessed. It says something. It says something. It grabs their attention, makes them think about it. It makes them think, well, the God they serve and the God they proclaim sure does treat them good. I'm having a hard time out here. I'd like to have the peace they have. I would like to have the security what, uh, of what they have. And I would certainly like to uh, get my life right so I can go to heaven. Uh, I like the package that they're presenting. I think I want Jesus. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. That's the whole purpose of it. That's the whole purpose of it. To be a witness. A full complete witness. Okay, let's look at it one final time. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is financial grace. That through his rich, excuse me, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He became poor on the cross. That you through his poverty might become rich. Before I, I pray over your giving, let me just uh, share this very quickly. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but... I had a situation years back, oh, going back, um, well, I, I suppose it would be about 20 years, and uh, I had a dream that was very, very disturbing, and when I woke up, uh, the dream just ended, and it was hovering, it was just hanging there, it was a very powerful dream, and in this dream, I saw a man suspended on a cross, lowered down into a into what I would call a sea of raw sewage, not like a swimming pool of raw sewage, not like a lake of it, like a, like an endless ocean of raw sewage. And I saw him, I saw him in agony lowered down into that and submerged in it. And then he was lifted up out of it. And when he was lifted up out of it, I saw the most, I saw a man in uh, inexpressible agony, and I saw that the green from all the sewage had permeated him and had soaked into him, and all the filth in all the sewage had gone into him. And the dream was so revolting. It was so, because he had, he had shreds of filth hanging off of him, and uh, oh, it was a, it was a, a dream that uh, was very uh, unsettling. And so I woke up. The moment I woke up, I said, Lord, that dream, I don't even want to know what that meant. Whew, I said, Lord, seeing that, 
that that individual in that sewage and in that filth. Mm. See, I used to work for a company that made these gigantic sluice gates that they would use at sewer treatment plants. And uh, one of the senior salesmen told me that he was actually on the job site uh, talking with uh, the employees at the sewage facility about the gate and how to operate it, stuff like that, when one of the men actually fell in. Yeah, and they have, they have a backup plan for that. You know, they get you out of it and uh, they give you, the, you know, your tetanus shots and all that stuff. So because you're falling into a, a germ-laden, ba- uh, bacteria-loaded, uh, yucky situation. So they got him out of there and got him cleaned up, got him the shots and stuff like that. But this was a man that was, in the vision, saturated with this filth. Well, it wasn't just shortly after that, that I was about my day doing my uh, normal activities. And uh, I had a happy moment that day at work when I was just kind of relaxed and I was all happy. And the Lord spoke to me and it just kind of broke in on my day very sweetly and very softly. He said, that was me. I said, Lord, what, what was you? He said, that was me. I said, what was you? He said, that was me. I said, Oh Lord, the, the dream. Oh, wow. I said, Lord, that was you. He said, I took the filth of poverty upon myself. I took it all upon me, every sin, every curse of the law. He said, I bore every single bit of it. It actually says in scriptures, he became sin. Whoo. That's why there was a separation between the father and the son because of the sin. Mm-mm. Wow. Praise God. Well, my friends, Jesus bore it. Why? So that we could become rich. I just want to encourage you step into what Jesus paid such a great price to make available to you. Honor the Lord with the tithe, 10% of our income. Let's bring that to the Lord. It belongs to him. And whenever the Holy Spirit would move on your heart, Obey the Lord. He's doing that for your good. He's setting you up for a blessing. He's setting you up for a harvest. Praise God. God loves you. And he desires that you might be rich. The word might indicates there's some variables in there that we have to play. God will always do his part. Uh, and the, the part that we have to play is just like the guy going to the gym. Hey, if you go to the gym, you're going to get stronger. If you exercise these kingdom principles, you're going to become strong financially. They work. It's no, it's no secret about it. They work. Praise God. Now, Heavenly Father, as your people are honoring you with the tithe and with an offering. Now, Father, we just give you praise. Bless your people. Bring them into the fullness of their inheritance. Bring them in, O God, to their redemptive right of riches. Thank you, Father. Let your grace, let your grace be known to them, just like Paul in the church in Corinth understood it. Father, let your people understand your grace of prosperity, even the grace of giving, the grace of even receiving. Father, we give you all of the praise. Thank you. Thank you that you're making your people rich in Jesus' name. Amen. One final thing. Did you ever notice you don't, you don't need God's help to make you poor? <laughs> You don't need the power of God to establish the covenant with you so that God can make you poor. No, you don't need any help with that. The devil uh, in the world system and all the sin in the world that, uh, and just the downward uh, pull 
of the negative things in the world could lead anybody into that with no struggle. But you need power to go into wealth, to go into prosperity. And the Lord has made provision for you to step into that. Praise God. Now, as you're bringing your tithes and offerings in, if you would like to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world, day or night, anytime. Just bring them into the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that has a red heart that says give, and you can click on it and you'll see the area for the tithe and you'll see some other projects that uh, if the Holy Spirit should lead you that you can give into uh, any of those. And my friends, it's greatly appreciated. Praise God. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Bless your people. I thank you that it's your desire to make them rich. And I thank you, Father, if there's any that have been shackled with religious type teaching, that even that word would make them nervous. I pray, Father, that there be such a cleansing by your word and your spirit that they have uh, your faith to step into what Jesus paid such a great price for them to experience. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Can you imagine if you didn't know this and you got to heaven as a Christian and you found out when you got to heaven that the whole time you were on earth, God wanted you to be rich. You'd be like, wait a minute, all that struggling and all that suffering and not having enough. And the whole time, God, you wanted me to be rich. And God says, yep, I said so right there in my word. Mm -hmm. Well, he did, didn't he? Praise the Lord. God is good. I know where you're hitting. I know where God's taking you into a place where you are rich. Praise God. Amen. All right. Today, let's take our Bibles and go over to Mark chapter 5. The Gospel of Mark is my favorite of the four Gospels. They're all, of course, fantastic. They all have a different angle on the ministry, uh, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but I've always liked the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be there today in Mark chapter 5. Let's drop down to verse 25. We're going to talk today about the four steps that you can take to step into a miracle. This is not 77 things that you must do to have a miracle. Just four. Each one is very simple. Nothing complex. Nothing beyond your ability to do. You don't have to uh, get on your stomach and crawl on your stomach and on your knuckles and uh, uh, crawl all the way to Jerusalem. And then God sees that and he merits you with a miracle because, you know, you're, you're bleeding and you tore your body up. No, God's not asking you to do that. Uh, it, we're not justified by works. We're justified by grace, by what Jesus did for us at Calvary. So I want to share today four very simple steps to a miracle. And if you will take them, you will find that you can receive whatever it is that you desire to receive from the Lord. Praise God. Let's open up in prayer. Father, as we jump into your word today, we ask that your word would be made alive and quickened to us by your Holy Spirit so that it jumps into us and becomes spiritual food. Father, we thank you. We thank you for revelation and also for application of what we receive today. We thank you in Jesus' name. And together we all agree and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from 
many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Well, you could read a lot in between the lines here. Uh, we're talking at a, at a time when uh, the knowledge in the medical field was certainly not what it is today. And not only is she being examined by doctors, but, you know, there's the embarrassment, uh, you know, of, of uh, you know, a man uh, looking at all your private parts and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just it's not good. All kinds of problems going on here. Very humiliating situation. And she she is going to receive an amazing miracle from God. You also can receive the miracle that you desire of God. And in the story, we're going to see four steps that she took. And if you take the same four steps, you as well can receive your miracle. Now, let me say that anything that the Bible promises you now, you can't receive by taking these four steps that we're going to cover today. And you can also put these four steps into operation Today, isn't that fascinating? You can start today. Woo, praise the Lord. You don't need three months of training. You can start today. Now, keep in mind that some of these things that, that you can believe God for or ask God for, it can take some time for it to come to pass. Take, for example, healing. You can believe God for your healing but also as you're believing God for that healing, sometimes there are certain healings that are not instantaneous. But if you keep walking out these four steps, you still will get your healing. Same thing in the area of finances. You may need a financial blessing, a financial miracle from God. But it can, uh, it can require a little time to walk it out, which is fine. Because you're still, the end result, you're still going to get the miracle that you need. But, you know, even if I went out today and took some corn kernels and uh, dug a hole in the, in the ground and the soil was real good and I, I put three or four of them in there, well, eventually a stalk is going to grow and I'm going to have some corn. But that's going to be just a few months down the road. So it's not overnight. So we're going to work these four steps, and they are actually four principles but the end result is that, hey, yeah, if you, if you need a miracle, whatever you might need, God can do it for you. Some things we just have to keep working, and they turn from steps into principles, such as the corn. But eventually, you know, you're going to be eating that corn. You're going to be receiving the miracle that you desire from the Lord. So we're going to also be patient and work these principles, and you are eventually going to have what you desire. Praise the Lord. All right, here we go. Uh, once again, uh, here she is with a flow of blood for 12 years. She suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Would you say that she's in a really serious situation right now? She can't even buy medication, can't buy any more painkillers or anything like that. Can't get her meds, as we would say in modern day terms, perhaps. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, stop just for a moment. Think about that statement. When she heard about Jesus, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, what did she hear about Jesus? Well, I'm sure she heard that, hey, this guy is a miracle worker. There are people that are getting healed in his meetings 
And from everything under the sun, we're seeing people raised from the dead. We're seeing lepers cleanse. We're seeing blind people get their sight back. It's just, it's just a miracle free for all when this guy is passing through. And she heard that. And faith exploded in her heart and came alive. How? By what she heard. Mm -mm. So we're always going to have to be people of faith. We're always going to have to live our lives by faith in God's word, not just a random floating around mindless faith. Yes, Pastor Stephen, I believe. Do you believe what? Well, I don't know. I guess I just believe something. No, we believe the word. That's how faith comes. Praise God. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if, I, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, the first thing that you're going to have to do, there's only four steps. The first thing, step number one, is say it. You're going to have to say it. Well, hold on, Pastor Stephen, that's not my style. I'm kind of a reserved person. I like to keep things to myself. Well, if you want to get your miracle, you're going to have to follow these four very simple steps and you might have to push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit and open up your mouth and begin to speak the thing that you want. So the first thing that she did is that she said it. And according to what you say, my friends, that's what you're going to get. I need to say it again. According to what you say, that is what you are going to get. So there are two parts to every miracle. There's the part that God's plays and there's the part that you play. How many of you know that God is always going to come through and do his part? Well, I don't know, Pastor Stephen. I think God really let me down. No, it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to fail. He will always do his part. So what we have to do is make sure that we do our part. And the first part that we need to do is we need to say it. Woo, praise God. Just go ahead and, uh, and say out with me that first step. Say, say it. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure that you understand that your words can be either positive or negative. Your words can be full of faith or your words can be full of mumbling and grumbling, uh, groaning, moaning, complaining, doubt and unbelief and all that. What we would classify as negative type stuff. And this woman could have been negative. She could have said, look, at this point, I've heard, okay, so I heard about Jesus going around doing all these miracles. But she could have pushed that word of faith away, and she could have said, but my situation is different because I, I've just had this for so long, and I, I can't take it anymore. And, you know, I've got, I, I just got all these problems. Now I don't have any money. It's not fair. It's not right. I might as well just die. And if that would have been what she would have said. That, my friends, is what her ending would have been. So you're going to have to say what it is that you want. And stop saying all kinds of words of negativity and unbelief. Now, last week we looked at the 12 spies that went into the Canaan land. Ten of them did not believe that God could help them take that land. But the other two said, oh, yes, we can. And not only can we do it, we can just go ahead and do it right now. We don't need to have another committee or another meeting. God's already spoke. Let's go. But the ten 
they were negative and they got all of the other Israelites except for a very small group. They got all of the others into doubt and unbelief. And you know what? They said that we can't. And they were right. They couldn't. They doomed themselves by their awful words that they spoke. Mm-mm. Think about David just for a moment. He, he could have been negative in that situation with Goliath. He could have said, Oh my goodness. What did I get myself into? I'm down here with this guy and this guy. I didn't really know he was that tall now that I'm up close to him. And uh, he could have gone over to one of his brothers and said, now, listen, <clears throat> look, I don't know how I got into this mess, but look, why don't you take my place? And if, if you do that, I'll buy you a cheeseburger every day for the rest of the year. And I think I'll just go back and, and take care of the sheep. No, 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 none of that. None of that. You have to say it. And David said it because he really believed it. And he told Goliath, hey, I'm taking your head off today. And today's your last day alive on this planet. You're dying today. And the giant got so angry and got just so mad. But David, you know, David had his moment where he said it. And I, I want to let you know that you can't skip this. It's going to have to come out of your mouth. And faith, you can't. Clap it down. It demands a voice. Faith demands a voice. Whoo, praise God. Hallelujah. So you must say it before you ever see it. You must say it first. Praise the Lord. And in this area of speaking what it is that you want God to do, and then, then with great faith saying that it's going to happen, that God's doing it, my friends, on the other side, don't go around uh, saying the negative things that you're seeing through circumstances or, uh, you know, these things that will try to bring pressure upon your life. Let me, let me talk just for a moment about COVID. Don't say something like, well, everybody's getting it. I guess I'll just going to eventually get it too. You know, well, I've had the vaccine and I guess I'm going to get it or, or I didn't get the vaccine. So I'm probably going to get it. No, don't, don't talk sickness. Don't talk any type of sickness or disease. If you do, you're inviting it to come to you. I've heard people literally Christians out of their own mouth say, well, we're coming into the cold season. I'm probably going to get a cold or flu at any time. And they do. And, uh, and, and they just, they can't figure out that the very thing they said is the very thing that, that happened to them. If you're having challenges in your finances and you're believing God to do a miracle in your finances, don't, don't talk about lack. If you start talking lack and, oh, we don't have enough money and, and you and, and what will happen is you will magnify that problem and it'll get, it'll look so big to you. And then the mighty God will, God will look so small and the, the lack will look so big. And I'll tell you another thing, the money will stop coming in. It'll just dwindle and dwindle and then, and then the problem will get worse. So don't talk negative. Don't talk the problem, talk faith and say what exactly you're wanting God to do and stay with it and stand on it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So number one is you have to say it. I told you it's very, very simple. I'm not 
presenting anything complicated or like what we would call advanced mathematics or something like that. No, very, very simple stuff. Jesus, when he spoke, he's speaking to fishermen. He's speaking to uh, people that were, you know, farmers and uh, had agricultural knowledge of, you know, very simple methods of operating. So nothing deep. It's all very simple. An adult or a child could hear and walk it out. Number two, the number two step that you're going to have to make is that uh, you're going to have to do it. We can just boil it down to two words. Do it. First step, say it. Second step, do it. Mm-mm. Your action defeats you or puts you over. Again, your action defeats you or puts you over. Of course, there is a time to pray and there, you know, there's a time to get on our knees and pray and stuff like that. But there's other times it's totally out of order to pray. You're supposed to be doing something else. You're supposed to be in action. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen. Now, we need to just be praying all the time. We need to call prayer meetings all the time, all the time. Uh, I am all for prayer meetings. I, I love to pray. I'm a big proponent on prayer. I mean, it's, it's one of the core tenets of the faith. But there is uh, certain uh, or there are certain times when prayer is not the key that you should be using at that moment. Well, what should the key be? Uh, sometimes it's action. God wants action. God wants you to do something. We see this very clearly in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. Let's go to verse 7. And this is the uh, defeat at Ai. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Look at Joshua, the great leader, having a pity party. He's having an absolute, total, complete faith meltdown. Well, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Stephen, what should he do? Well, what do you think he should do? Oh, Pastor Stephen, in times like that, well, it's important that we pray. Pastor Stephen, I would recommend that Joshua and all of the army uh, uh, and all of the Israelites get on their knees and pray, because that's what we need to do. Well, he's on his knees and he's praying. Look at verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Get up. Isn't that fascinating? Sometimes we need... Um, we need that jolt. Praise the Lord. And there is a, there is a place uh, in your walk with the Lord where, where God, he won't treat you like a little spiritual infant anymore. He expects you to grow up. He expects you to move uh, past the diaper stage, start moving into the image of Christ and do what you're supposed to do and do the right thing at the right time. And this is not the time to be on your knees. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Again, look at verse 3. Get up, 
sanctify the people. There is a time to pray, but there's a time to do it. And my friends, it's time to do certain things. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's time to do it. You're going to have to have uh, obstacles. We can't, we can't pray away all of the obstacles. We can't, we can't say, God, this is too hard. I would do it if it weren't so hard and I didn't have so many things in the way. You're going to have the obstacles. This uh, dear lady in Mark chapter 5, as we turn back over there, she's now completely out of money. There's no cure for her condition. The doctors have no, uh, you know, magic pill that they can give her or anything like that. She is in a category with this nonstop flow of blood where she's treated as the same category as those of the, who are, who are lepers. And also now there's a big crowd all around Jesus and she's in a very weakened condition. As many of you would know, if you're losing blood like that continually, you're, you're not going to have a lot of strength. So everything would seem to be going against her, but she's not asking God to remove the obstacles. What she decided to do was walk over the obstacles and she's going for it. She's going to go for it. And you know what? God will honor that. God will honor that. And she starts going, what I would say, against the grain. You know, they, t they tell you when you're cutting wood, cut it a certain way, cut with the grain, not against it. If you have a chainsaw and you, you've cut a tree down where you want, you want to cut it that way. You don't, you don't cut it like that. You want to cut the proper way. My friends, this is, uh, this is something that you're going to have to push at times. And it's not time to pray. It's now time to do it. To do what? To do what you said. To do what you said. Because now's the time to rise up and do it. So you walk over all of the, the obstacles. That's what she did. She knew, hey, I'm not supposed to be in this crowd. But she's like, I don't care. I'm getting this crowd anyhow. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm pressing in. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Remember the story of when Jesus died on the cross. They put him in the tomb. And the big stone was rolled over the entrance of the tomb. And the stone is sealed and secured. Well, the ladies on the third day were going to go anoint the Lord's body. So they got all of their spices and perfumes and all of their all of their things to anoint the body of the Lord. And they're walking towards the tomb. And the big underlying question eventually surfaces. Somebody is going to, you know, you have to bring it up because it's, it's, it's still there. And one of the ladies said, well, what about the stone? Who's going to roll the, away the stone? In other words, what I'm trying to say is that if there would have been certain women in that group walking with those ladies uh, that were not in that group, if you could just take one and put them in, there could have been somebody that would have said, you know what? I don't know how we're going to move that stone. Technically it's going to weigh probably a couple thousand pounds and uh, uh, we can't push it out of the way. And not only that, we don't, we don't even have 
permission to move it out of the way. And uh, you know what? We just might as well go home. Why are we walking to the tomb when there's a gigantic stone sealed and we're not going to be able to move it? What are we even walking there for? No. No, when you're on assignment and you're believing God for your miracle, you do it. And they kept on, they kept on going. You're going to have to do the same thing. And you know what happened? They got to the tomb and what? The stone was rolled away. I'm telling you that the obstacles, they're not deal breakers. The obstacles are not the final say. My friends, you have to do it. You have to actually go out there and walk it out. You say it because you believe it. So you say it and now you do it. Mm -mm. And I think for many, that is the great challenge for many is to actually do it. But I see that for many of you, that hour is at hand for you to do it, for you to do it. And I'm here to say today that the Holy Spirit is with you. God is with you. God is with you. Praise God. So my friends, you must act on what you say. She said, if only I may touch his clothes. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. And now there's this massive crowd and all this, but that's what she said. She's going to do it now. This is the time. This is the time for her. It's now or never. Why? Because that's where he's at. He's not going to be there forever. He might not even be there for the remainder of the day. While he's here, you better do it. And she did it. And we're still talking about it today. Mm -mm. I see you doing it. I see you doing it. Praise the Lord. It is an essential step. All right. Number three. Your number three step out of four, your number three step to receive your miracle, whatever it is you want from God, is to receive it. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Look at verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She's right. It's over with. Boom. Just like that. She's got the miracle. She has received it. And I want you to know that you can get a call anytime to come pick it up. God can do the miracle for you. That call could come in. That email could come in. Uh, it's not like God is limited. Let, let me just tell you that when I see the UPS truck or the FedEx truck, Coming up my driveway, when they're coming up the driveway to bring a package to my house, I don't run out there and say, hold on a minute, I can't receive the package because it's morning time, and I only receive in the evening once I've had my coffee and once I've kind of gotten going for the day. No, 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 no. If they're there. They got my stuff. I take it right now. Sign for it, whatever I need to do. Yes, hand it over to me. I receive it. Glory to God. Be ready to receive it. Don't ever tell your miracle to come back later and you'll pick it up later. Don't ever, ever, ever do that. When you're favored to win the men's 100-meter dash and you're favored heavily to win the gold medal, don't think, well, hey, you know, this, you know, I, I can do this anytime. No, that's, that's your one time. The Olympics only comes around 
Once every four years, mm -mm. that's your moment. Well, you know, if I don't make it, you know, there's always other races. Nobody watches the other races. This is it. This is your moment. Now go out there and receive. Praise God. Receive. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Receive. Glory to God. Let me share something fascinating. Get ready for this. Now, what I'm going to share with you is very important. It's going to open you up to the miraculous. Praise God. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 17. There's a lot of theologians. They dance around this verse. They don't. They don't want to discuss this verse. But I want to intentionally talk about it on purpose today. Look at verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Oh, oh, so we've got rabbis all over the place. We have the religious leaders. We have the experts of the Mosaic law, and they're all here. Big grouping of them have come together to check out Jesus. Check him out. Now watch this, because remember, God, God, God loves his leaders. God loves those that would teach his people righteousness. Now watch this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Long story short, only one person got healed, but the power was present to heal every single one of those people that were, that were there that day, particularly it was a day designated for the religious leaders to be healed. And you know, anytime you get a bunch of people together, there's going to be those that need healing. But not one person got healed except, except another person, the man who was paralyzed. But understand that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Some translations say present to heal them all. It's very clearly uh, revealed there. So here's the thing. If you wanted to get your miracle, then at that time, you had to go where the power was at. Where was the power at is wherever Jesus is at because the spirit of God is on him. And if you really need a miracle, need your blinded eyes open or whatever the case might be, you have to go to where he's at and he's on the move. He's on the move. So you've got to find out where he's at. You've got to get into the meeting of Jesus and receive ministry from Jesus because the power is there. The power is on him. Praise God. Now look at this in John chapter 16, <clears throat> John 16 verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for I do not for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. All right. So we, we know that Jesus departed and he ascended into heaven and he's now seated at the right hand of heavenly father and the Holy Spirit was sent into the earth on the day of Pentecost. Praise the Lord. Now, when Jesus was on the earth. 
Jesus was the sole representation of the Godhead with, within the earth. The Holy Spirit would come upon Jesus, but only upon Jesus. And that would be through the form of the anointing. But my friends today, the Father is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is here on the earth. And this is very, very important for you in your understanding for a miracle to realize this. Power is always present now, everywhere, anywhere, anytime, day or night, God can do a miracle for you. You don't have to wait till the sun goes down. You don't have to wait for the sun to come up. God can do a miracle just as easy as one o'clock in the morning as he can at three o'clock in the afternoon, just as easy as he can in North Carolina, as he can in Beijing, China, or in Australia, or in Dallas, Texas. It doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit is now here. God is now here. You can get your miracle anywhere, any place, any time. And so you have to now receive it. Because it can come. And when it comes, you, you don't need to say, well, now, Lord, I, I didn't know you were coming at 2 o'clock in the morning. I need to brush my teeth first. Oh, no. Brush your teeth later. Take the miracle now. I had a couple of sporting injuries. I had a torn biceps. And I had a torn uh, pectoralis major muscle, chest muscle. And detached. Quite painful quite stupid how I did it. And I repented and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And, uh, but, and God forgave me of course. And the pain went away, but the tears were, st uh, were still there. Uh, a couple of months went by and my wife and I were house watching. There was a, a person, uh, one of our church members, he had gone to Europe and he asked us if we can come over at times and watch his house. So we were over at his house, and uh, his house was in a very, very beautiful, like, subdivision type area. And uh, I was ac actually at the home, his home one day alone by myself. My wife and uh, Abigail were out doing something else. And I was sitting there in the afternoon. It was about maybe like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was sitting on a couch all by myself. I wasn't praying, wasn't really reading my Bible, just all relaxed. And suddenly... You ready for this? Suddenly God came into the room and the power of God filled the room and that power began to come all over me. And in those two areas where the tear was at, right where the insertion area is at heat, uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't painful. It didn't hurt, but it was intense, warm, hot, 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 beautiful heat coming into my body. And I said, Oh Lord, you're healing me. You're healing me. And I said, Lord, I receive, I receive. And that, that lasted, that, la that whole experience maybe lasted two minutes. And then the glory began to pull back and then everything returned to normal. And I said, God, I'm healed. I said, I'm healed. You know, the first thing I did, I grabbed, uh, I grabbed my keys, ran out of my friend's house. They had a, a, a clubhouse fitness center, ran to the fitness center 
and started working out. I started doing curls and um, uh, w uh, with bicep curls and put more weight on and put more weight on. And then I just began, I began to weep. Hot tears of joy because I realized, God, you did it. There's no pain. The tear is completely mended. Uh, I began to do things to exercise my chest. No pain. The, uh, the, it, it, it had all been reinserted. I'd like redid it all over again. I said, God, you did it. See? Oh, oh, oh Pastor Stephen, I, I need to get to California where that happened. That you were at a, I know that that house was in Irvine, California. And if I go to that very house, uh, maybe at 3 o'clock, God will come back into that house and come back into that room and do it for me. No, 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 you don't need to do it like that. He'll, he'll meet you right where you're at. All you have to do, though, is receive it. But you need to understand that he can bring it to you. Anything you want, anytime, any place, anywhere, and that makes it wide open for a miracle. Well, Pastor Stephen, are you telling me that God could do it for me here in South, uh, South Africa? Yeah. He can do it whether you live in South Africa or South Carolina. It don't you think it matters to God? You think God says, that's too far, I can't do that. That's too far for the God that created the universe? That we don't even know where it ends at? And, and scientists say it's actually still expanding? But that's too far, God can't get over there, He doesn't have enough time, He's not fast enough? God can do it anywhere, anytime, place. The Holy Spirit is in the earth now. And He's not in a limited locale like He was with Christ. One place one town at a time, one village at a time. If you catch him, good. If not, well, he's already moved on somewhere else, and well, you missed your miracle. No, no, or you're going to have to catch up. No, no, no. It's here anywhere. You can be in prison, and the Lord can bless you in prison because the Holy Spirit can come right there. Now, there's certain things you couldn't receive in prison, but there's other certain things that you could. So, you know, you would ask wisely. But outside of that, you know, in the normal flow of life, yeah, God can do it for you. God can do it for you. God is a miracle working God. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Power. The power of God is now always present everywhere in the world. Be ready to receive it. Say it. Do it. Receive it right then, right then, right then. Well, Lord, my favorite show is about to come on. Who cares? Throw the TV away. I take it now. Glory to God. Well, I, I, I didn't know that you were going to bless me uh, in such a large way at this time. Well, go, go right ahead. I can go eat later. Go right ahead. I receive. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Last one. Ready? Last one. Let's jump quickly back over to Mark 5. First verse, verse 32. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth and told him, the whole truth and told him, told him, told him. Step number four, tell it, say it, do it, receive it. And when you've got it, tell every single person that you can what God 
has done for you. Look at this just very previously in verse 19 concerning the miracle of the demon possessed man who was delivered. Verse 19. Well, let me look at verse 18. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them, please underline that. Tell them, tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Mm -mm. Tell, 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 tell. Tell them she came before Jesus and told the whole truth of what happened. Jesus heard it and everybody else out in the crowd heard it also. Why do we need to tell it? Oh, it's very simple so that others might believe. <sighs> Testimonies are so powerful in fueling the faith of others. Why? Because we all know that God's good and he's no respecter of persons. And it doesn't take a genius to figure out if God did it for that person, God can do it for me. And you're right. He can. And the more testimonies you hear concerning that, that, that theme of that particular type of miracle that continues to build faith and your faith gets stronger and stronger. And plus you're having more and more exposure to others. And you're thinking I'm next in line. And you know what? You are. You're next in line for your miracle. Praise God. And when you receive it, make sure that you follow step number four. Tell it. Mm -hmm. This is why we have social media. Yes, Pastor Stephen, we have, we have social media so that we can share our cooking recipes with each other. Oh, yeah, that's nice. But with your social media, while you're sharing your meatloaf recipe with the world, show and tell them the miracle that God has done for you. Mm -mm. Use every platform you can, praise God. And as they say, one picture is worth a thousand words. Take a picture of your miracle and say, I want to give all the glory to Jesus. I want to give God all the credit because he deserves it all. Look what God has done for me. Look what he has done and send it out there and tell people and talk about the goodness of God and what God has done. I appreciate it when online church members uh, drop by maybe for a visit or they, you know, they swing by and they say, Pastor Stephen, I'm dropping by because I want to show you the new car that God has blessed me with. We get that one a lot. Pastor Stephen, look at my new SUV. Look at my new vehicle. And then you know what? I rejoice. I rejoice. And I'm happy. Praise God. What are they doing? They're doing step number four. They're telling it. They're telling what God has done for them that special blessing. And if you get a raise, like one of what our, our online church members just uh, notified us, just uh, I think it was uh, three days ago, just got a 20% raise for the year. Bumped up for a 20% raise, guaranteed 20%, plus potential for even more through various types 
of bonuses. Praise God. I think in certain things that you're believing God for a miracle, you should just have a special celebration. Praise the Lord. If your husband and wife and you couldn't conceive, something was wrong, but you believe God for a miracle, you said it, you did it, now you've received it, well, you need to tell it. Have a special celebration service. Praise God. Just do special things. If you got a new house, maybe you were living in an apartment and you thank the Lord for your apartment, but you believe for your own home and you get it. What should you do? You should give the glory to the Lord and tell everybody. And that could include hosting a barbecue on the backyard patio of your new house. Praise God. Amen. And if I'm too far away to come, Send this preacher a picture of what God has done for you. I'll tell you what, I'll rejoice with you. Amen. God is good. God is good. Now, if you walk out these four steps, you can receive from God anything that you want. These steps, as I mentioned previously, can also, with certain things, be more in a flow of four principles, because some things don't happen overnight. Salvation, you can receive it on the spot. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, you can receive it on the spot. Certain things you can receive because they have been made available to you through Christ, and you just, you just take them. The other areas where there are certain things, it can take a little time to walk it out. But as long as you keep working each step, and you'll know right where you're at, keep working each step. My friends, you, you can still have it. You will have it. The Lord will do it for you. Mm -hmm. I have a very strong witness in my spirit that I'm going to be receiving notification of some very, very unusual miracles because you're going to be sharing with me. You're going to be telling me what God has done for you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Somebody's breaking through to a new level. Praise the Lord. God will always do his part. Do your part. Keep working these four principles. And the power will come. The power will come. The power will come. The power will come. Mm. And of course, you use your faith. You use your faith. Connect with the power of God. We just had a new light switch put in one of our bathrooms. Flip it off. Electricity goes off, light goes off. Flip it on, light goes on, electricity is flowing to it. Your faith flips the switch on and positions you for the power encounter. Some of you are going to have strange encounters with the power of God. Mm, might, might just even scare you in a holy way. When I say scare, I'm not talking about maybe like scared like you saw a big snake. I'm talking about reverential awe. Mmm, you're talking about an encounter with real power, real power. I remember one time we were in Israel. It was the first Israel tour that my ministry had hosted. And we had gathered at the Sea of Galilee uh, at the Leonardo Hotel. And I was going to stream over the Internet a little service that I was wanting to do right there. So I had our little tour group together and I was going to minister 
And we were having trouble with the internet because, you know, it was real slow internet speed at that time. So I just shared the message and recorded it. But as I started talking, as I started talking, the Holy Spirit, for a reason that I may never know until I get to heaven, the Holy Spirit decided to come in to the room right at that moment. And as we all sat there, God walked into that meeting. And the power of God came into that little area where we were all at. By the way, when I go to Israel, when I take a tour to Israel, my wife and I don't always just go to Israel to see the land. Because uh, most of the sites I've seen many times over. But we also, and we, we, but I still have seen them. But we also go to encounter the Lord. Mm-mm. And I don't know where it's going to happen or how. But there, there comes those special moments and the Lord walked into that beautiful hotel area where we were sitting. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget it. One of the ladies said, my God, God just walked in here. She told me that after, after the service was over. She said, my God, God came into that place with us. She said, I've never experienced that in my life before. I said, yes, that's, that is, that's, a, that's a power encounter. What's he there for, Pastor Stephen? Just to tickle your feather? Just to tickle your toe? He's there. He's there to bless. And so you have to be ready to receive. Mm-mm. Encounters. Strange encounters with the power. The raw power of God. Not, not just a little feel-good moment. I'm talking power encounters. You're going to get your miracle. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that are watching right now. That they'll be consistent and faithful in walking out these four biblical steps, four biblical principles. And I thank you, O oh God, that you're going to do the miracle that their heart desires. We give you the praise. Father, we thank you for the help of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that power is available and that you're going to release it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today and you don't know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The greatest encounter that you can ever have with God is the encounter of the born again experience. If you're ready to get your heart right with God, pray this prayer after me. Don't delay. This is your moment. This is your moment. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I turn from my sin. I repent of it. Jesus You died on the cross to rescue me from my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash my sin away. Give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life. Wash me with your precious blood. Jesus, thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. God has saved and rescued your soul. Live for him with all of your heart. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's take Holy Communion together. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. I have the two-in-one little transportable mini cup here. But however you like to do it, grab your version and let's bless it. Let's take communion together. Father, we bless the bread, the juice. Through this prayer... We set it apart as holy. We thank you, Father. This is now the flesh and blood 
of Jesus, our Savior. Now, Father, as we receive the flesh of Christ, we thank you that Jesus, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and your Spirit is here. We thank you for the release of power. We receive the word of the release of power in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Mm-hmm. Glory. Can you imagine the energy that surged into that woman's body after all the perpetual weakness that she had and lethargy from all the blood loss? She got her life back. Goodbye to that wretched disease. Hallelujah. God's going to set you free. God's going to make you shout. Hallelujah. Tell it. Tell it. Tell it. <laughs> Woo. Father, thank you for the precious blood. As we receive the blood of Christ, we ask that if we have committed any sin, we ask that you would forgive us, wash all of our sins away, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we forgive anybody and anyone that is Sinned against us. We forgive them. We release them. We bless them. We let it go. We give you praise. We thank you that we are standing in right place with you. With hearts right with you. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, Surely he will rescue you. Surely he will deliver you swiftly. Surely he will come through for you and you'll see his hand, the hand of God outstretched in your life. Get ready. God's going to break every chain. God's going to destroy every burden. God's going to shatter and pulverize every yoke into nothing but dust. And when it's laying on the floor, he'll blow the dust away. There won't be one trace of smoke on your garments. There won't be one trace of what the enemy puts you through. God will enclose you with his precious, sweet Victory, glory to God. And Father, we give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father, for your word. We bless you. We thank you. Glory. Let us lift our hands and worship the Lord. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise. Heaven is celebrating because of the miracles that are going to happen. Heaven is celebrating because of the souls that are being saved and born again. Father, we give you all of the praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. My friends, thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.